Like, I imagine Yorgos probably isn't terrible when there's like five people in there, but when it's like Saturday mm, night know. and there's 800 <laughs> people and loud dance music and douchebags extraordinaire filling every I, nook and cranny of that place. Have you been downstairs there before? No. It's the weirdest downstairs I've been. Adventure. It's super small and there's like, it just had a really weird vibe. It's, it's more like a large closet. Huh. With all these people kind of dancing down there. It's like, all right. I assume that's how Jersey Shore people would repopulate it. A bunch of them go down and they come back and there's just others of them that came up at the same time. Some sort of weird mitosis. No, dude. Thing. Yeah, I can see they that. They just yeah. get wet. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're uh, Mogwais, eh? I yeah. see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> see how that's that a slandered a good name of Mogwais, man. <laughs> Doesn't help that there's an ocean beside them. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for beer news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, a man whose idea of snow pants are a rugged jeans over long johns, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is a man who used snow as an effective means of chilling wart, Mike Albright. And of course, the man whose audio wizardry means he can create a modern classic from an icicle xylophone, the man far, far too handsome to be a snowman, Jesse Clark. Today is January 26th, 2015, and we're recording episode 47, Snow Day. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And for those of you who enjoy listening to podcasts via Stitcher, we are now there as well. We provide new daily news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out and subscribe today. Today was supposed to herald in a snow event so shocking that the eastern seaboard was to be buried under several feet of snow. It appears that the meteorological teams on various weather networks may have slightly over-exaggerated as today was much sound and fury signifying pretty much flurries. Yet in honor of an impending frigid disaster, this week's opening question is, what snow day activity would best be improved with having a few beers? So, Mike, what would you add a little alcohol to make your snow day go by a little faster? Well, I say, what better way to spend the snow day than digging out people who have driven into a ditch? <laughs> and I say, yes, I try to play the role of noble soul, one who selflessly comes to the rescue of stranded bystanders and never tries to explain a brag about it. <laughs> never, ever. But, yeah, I feel like uh, you could have a beer either before or after. Uh, it works both ways. You could have it, like, well, before or during. Uh, you find someone that's come along, driven into a ditch, and you need a little bit of that liquid uh, courage to uh, dig that person out. You go to the back of your trunk, you get the snow shovel, you get the kitty litter, and you spend the next two hours uh, shoveling until they get out of there. Uh, or I, I'd like, like to look at it as uh, having a celebratory beer afterwards. Once you actually like help that person uh, get on their way, have a beer to celebrate. I'm picturing you with a St. Bernard with a little barrel around its neck. Exactly. A little bit of like... Strong barley wine in and what there. Did they, yeah, what did they put in that barrel? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Whiskey is, I think, traditionally what it is. But uh, yeah, I would see like you know maybe a an oak aged Russian Imperial Stout as uh, the dog tries to bury out the window so the person trapped in their car can uh, get a little <laughs> bit of a a strong buzz going while you're out there shoveling so that they uh, can stay warm from the alcohol. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that would definitely. be lovely. Yeah, sometimes the stranded bystander is myself. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's happened before. Uh, I've definitely like driven off the road and had to uh, try to wor- worm my way back out of it. Uh, but lately, it's usually just uh, coming across someone that's like just you know they weren't quite prepared for the elements. You know, this is I, I'm I, I, this was feeling familiar. Now I'm recognizing now why. When I was living with Jimmy and Evan, this is exactly what would happen. So we had mm-hmm. that big snowstorm, and if you remember when we were living outside of that house, there was a huge dip of a hill that goes down the sidewalk. There, cars would kind of like slide in and that, and they would be stuck. And well, 
us three guys not being sober, we'd go and help them out. I mean, this was exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you were always hoping for the U.S. women's bikini. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like, let's do it. We got some shovels. We go out and we get all gung-ho. And, well, of course, Jimmy gets all gung-ho and the rest of us just sort of follow him. But <laughs> You just shrug your shoulders. Yeah, why not? Yeah, all right. Got nothing else better to do. Good Samaritans. Good old-fashioned drunk Samaritans. <laughs> I like it. Well, Jesse, what, what did you want to add to your snow day? Fun? Well, mine was what actually happened, which was, oh. um, well, this was very confusing because obviously when you're looking out the window, there's not much going on. And yet they still canceled school. There was a lot of confusion here. <laughs> um, I'm looking out the window. There was nothing happening at that time when I got the text message and the email saying we're canceling school. And then throughout the rest of the day, we're getting this this email battle between the different, uh, the different uh, department heads and the different people saying like, why are you canceling or why did you cancel so late? So I was thinking, that I, I need to drink a beer during this part. And exactly, I was drinking this, uh, speaking of the confusion, this, this Nooner beer. At first, when I f- first saw this beer, I, I thought it said no one because I was just confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, the like, what is the... O-Neaters from and like, then, yeah, uh, and then And then is. as you're drinking it, I was, I was looking it up online and actually said online there's different labels of it that call it a sessionable IPA instead. Hmm. Instead of a Pilsner. Oh. Yeah. I have actually seen it. Have you tried this? I have not tried it. If you'd it. like to open it up and try it, you guys can tell me what you think of it. I'm always a, a fan of a nooner, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. A little afternoon delight. For all you audio files at home. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely get a lot of lager characteristics. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call that an IPA. <laughs> what does style even mean anymore? But no, this yeah. definitely smells... Like a lager or a pilsner, yeah. Crisp and dry finish. Yeah, sure. I get that. Mm. It's tasty, though. So, so is this a beer you can like drink um, in between classes? <laughs> um, I no, I can't do that. Oh. Um, I my classes are back to back, so that's not a possibility. Yeah, Jesse's a man. He drinks during class. It's fine. <laughs> Should be laughing. <laughs> For any of those uh, listening, <laughs> I do not. We kid, we kid. I drink lots of coffee during class. Everyone sees my. Yes, there's a drug that's illegal. Irish, <laughs> Irish coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so for me, I've made reference to Disney's massively popular winter-themed princess film Frozen here before on the show. <laughs> And while I know that Mike and Jesse have seemed to avoid having to watch the insufferably predictable and upbeat children's film, I was forced to sit through it in its entirety. And while Let It Go appears to be the smashing hit single, the secondary hit, Do You Want to Build a Snowman, is the song that inspires my answer today. Uh, we've discussed the nature of drinking beer. You want your beer to be cold and ideally to share the experience with friends. If you find yourself in a dearth of friendly faces or places to store beer during a snowstorm, the solution is to build both. That's right. To avoid drinking alone like a third stage alcoholic, you, much like Calvin, can build snowy friends to share a few pints with. And these trusty friends won't criticize your lifestyle, the number of beers you are having, and if you let them hold your beer, they will keep it nice and cold. They might be the perfect drinking companions. Just don't let them drive you home at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just pictured the a, a fake snow bar with a bunch of fake snowmen in front of it, all holding a beer yes. and uh, and drinking with them, and it would be a bar where everybody would know my name. Oh, yeah. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a little surprising if they ever did a Calvin and Hobbes strip strip about that. The adult, I, well, yeah, you the know, adult they one. did do like a what? Didn't he put out like a him and Susie get together strip like not too long ago? Um, um, 
I don't know if it was about Calvin, but he did do like sort of an adult kind of yeah one where it was it was like a, it was a family and they had kids and I guess if you wanted to believe that it was Calvin and Susie, you could. Okay. Oh, I thought that'd be yeah. cool because I think that there is. Um, was Hobbs anywhere? Did you see this stuffed animal? The kid actually had this. It's either had Hobbs as an yeah, imaginary friend, or it was another imaginary friend. I mean, I think it was Hobbs, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like, oh, I remember, you know, my imaginary friend. This is so sweet. Which I think would be great because I think even as adults, adults have that that uh, you know moment of magic. It just might be slightly different, you know. I think if I saw that, I would cry. If rather, I saw rather, that comic strip. Rather than fighting a jet, flying a jet pilot, you picture yourself being a running back going in for the big touchdown for the big game, you know? Oh, like a very you know? apropos Super Bowl reference. Yeah, I like exactly. <laughs> Football. <laughs> I love how uh, this big snowstorm, like all the, they were bitching about all the people that are like in Boston that are trying to get to Arizona to watch you know, their team play in the big game. All the flights are getting canceled. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. I've, yeah. I've been enjoying the uh, plethora of underinflated thing comics that oh, have been yeah, hitting yeah. The, uh, the press lately over with the Patriots, I guess, were the sleazeballs oh, yeah. who were underinflating their balls. Yes, yes, apparently. I just want to say that again. Underinflating their balls. That's just a hilarious sentence to me. They underinflated the balls. Yeah, <laughs> ha- yeah hashtag shrinkage. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cold in New England. <laughs> I was in the pool. I was in the pool. Uh, well, that's actually current events, so let's move on to some beer news. Beer news. So it looks like we're skipping right over the local stuff and going straight into the national news, so take it away, Mike. All right, AB InBev buys Elysian. Boo. So if Rob, Jesse, and I were traveling around in a Yugo, I might pull out a cassette tape and suggest playing a little queen. I wouldn't choose Bohemian Rhapsody, however. No, I would choose the later hit, Another One Bites the Dust, mm, in honor nice. of this week's announcement. Announcement. Uh, boom, boom, yeah, boom. good song. Another one. 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 Another well, it seems that AB InBev has uh, filled its yearly portfolio stocking with another successful microbrewery, this time by acquiring Seattle-based Elysian Brewing Company. Elysian has done quite well for itself, increasing its capacity tenfold in half as many years. We've seen plenty of examples of the beer around our neck of the woods, whether it be their plentiful Halloween offerings or mainstay staples. This is a calculated move for AB InBev. Uh, the Northwestern craft breweries see almost a 30% share of the beer market, up from around 12% nationwide. This, along with picking up well-respected organ brewery 10 Barrel Brewing helps pad the King of Beer's losses in those territories. We only hope that they respect the beer by simply learning not to mess with a good thing. No word on what the final price tag was. Uh, the Wall Street Journal article that ran the story suggests that recent brewery purchases put the cost somewhere in the $1,000 per barrel range. Um, this would suggest that adding a lesion to their bedpost to cost AB MVEV a good eight figures. Wow. Because they had about a 50,000 uh, 50, barrel capacity. Wow. Up from, up from five, just only... Uh, Five years uh, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually saw this uh, on Reddit uh, and a response blog post uh, for another craft beer enthusiast who was arguing that um, AB InVev and the other big guys are sort of taking a insidious uh, route to winning the beer wars or, or earning back market share, essentially. And that is instead of attempting to brew their own craft beer because Batch 19 was terrible, um, that instead they're buying up properties like Goose Island and mm-hmm. Elysian and... Um, other ones that are buying stock and things like uh, uh, Red Hook is the aren't uh, there's somebody out west who's like a conglomerate of like yeah, a bunch Red, of Red Hook, yeah. and uh, that like I think AB InBev owns thirty five percent thirty seven percent of the business and um, so the 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 blog article uh, the the author was 
saying that the largest growing segment of the market is not craft beer um, crazies like ourselves who are very, very uh, high-minded and have specific tastes that we're looking for, like the super best crafted beer, but somebody who go who is off bud and coors and it's just going to go to a place and go, well, that looks interesting, and pull it off the shelf. So they're not going to look to see or even care if Elysian is owned, is, is independently operated mm-hmm. or if they are owned by a mega brewery like that. They just want to see something interesting and buy it. So that they're trying to get market share back that way by basically yeah. buying up popular brands uh, rather than having to compete with them. Well, that, that makes perfect sense. Like I never really thought of it that way. But, yeah, it's not necessarily the like 10% of the beer market that the enthusiasts are, are all into i mean they pretty much written that off they know they can't win every customer but right. once like somewhere in the northwest when it starts getting that you know 30 percent, 40 percent range obviously they're getting a little worried so they're just going to start uh picking and choosing the most successful breweries and then they win both ways whether no matter what you pick and it's frustrating because um i mean goose island still makes good beer and the thought, the author was basically arguing that like anybody who suddenly had Bourbon County Stout who never could have it before because Goose Island had a limiting distribution, mm-hmm. Goose Island now has the same dis- distribution patterns as Budweiser. I mean, wherever Budweiser go, in theory, Goose Island could go there yeah. without any additional costs. And wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if Hetty Topper was all, you know, mm-hmm. here, we're going to basically buy you a brand new system that's like a $50 million uh, system that's, you know, <clears throat> 20,000 times more production capability and then the alchemist can make Hetty Topper like hand over foot. Mm-hmm. I don't think the alchemist would ever go for that. I think even if Budweiser was like, we're going to give you a billion dollars, he'd be like, eh, we're not selling because they're purists, but um, yeah. there is like I wouldn't be that pure. It. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> where, where, where does the purity end? I mean, uh, yeah, at a billion dollars? Somewhere before well, that. I had <laughs> Snapchat told Facebook to go F itself over several billion dollars. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, but however, Snapchat is now, I don't know, how it's possible um, is now valued even like is like five times more than that. They, I think uh, Facebook gave them like a one point five billion dollar offer, and now Snapchat's at like ten billion or something well, ridiculous. Because they said no because they did that. It's like well, well they must be worth their a lot user more than base that. Like, is what? getting a lot bigger. I but guess. But how do they make money? They don't. I I right. didn't. I didn't realize this. Amazon, as big as it is, has never made a profit. Yeah, actually, I, I heard that recently, too. Yeah, that that Wall Street just keeps reinvesting them in the idea that eventually there'll be such a monopoly that they'll make money hand over fist. Yeah. And then as a result, Amazon's like, what do we care about making profit? And just keeps selling things at a loss or whatever. And recently, their stock price dropped yeah. pretty significantly. So now, all of a sudden, like Prime got more expensive, and there's less free shipping for things. And price 30, of their e and, yeah. and digital downloads are going up a little bit. Um, as they slowly try to take over the world, but it's that's how Snapchat, I'm sure, makes money. It's like, look, we have all of these kids under the age of 25 using our platform, and you can reach out to them in theory to make money somehow. Well, and, don't, don't and, they have? I mean, they, I mean, these apps have have access to all of your content, which they can sell to other people, right? Well, in theory, Snapchat your location and, a, and all that stuff, right? Location, I mean, perhaps, but yeah. Snapchat's supposed to be it's there, it's gone. So right. no, but I mean, yeah, but the app though is not. The app is on your phone. The app has access to all of your phone numbers, exactly wherever you are, all of your surfing mm. content, anything. If you surf anything on your phone, Snapchat has that. They can send that information back to themselves. They can sell that. That's true. That's true. So is that what they do? I don't of course. Know. Probably. That's why they. That's how they make money from these things. Well, I mean, well, Facebook didn't really make many money either. I mean, they had their IPO, and then everybody was like, "Well, actually, how do you make money?" And they're like, "Well, we're working on that." Yeah. 
Well, they have ads, and they, they definitely sell all the connections and whatnot. Yeah. I'm, su- I'm sure the government probably funds them inc- incredibly. I know the NSA has their whole little like network of everybody's connected. I'm sure Facebook is like, yeah, you want to get in here and see how this guy is connected to that guy, who's connected to that guy, and what interests and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm sure that's actually really, really sketchy. <laughs> yeah, anyone with interests with terrorism? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> My likes, terrorism, yeah, that would be bad. My, that, that guy, check him out. <laughs> terrorism, jihad. <laughs> uh. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about the beer can? All right. So, here's a nice little lighthearted article. The beer can turns 80. So, if you cracked open a beer, uh, <clears throat> if you cracked open a can of beer of your pleasure this past Saturday, we hope you toasted to the vessel in which it delivered that sweet, sweet beer to your lips. That's because the humble beer can turned 80 years old. First sold on January 24th, 1935, it would be nearly 30 years before you could open one without the need for a special tool or, say, a rock. <laughs> the can has gone over many makeovers in its history, and for 80 years old, it's looking better than ever. This is thanks to not only marketing gimmicks by our friends at Miller Coors, but the fact that canning is back in vogue with all the hip craft beer makers. It seems more and more breweries are falling over themselves to package their uh, beer in cans. In our area alone, you can find anything from Nugget Nectar to Badia Pale Ale in a can. Next door neighbor Liquid Hero follows in the tradition of 21st Amendment Brewery and Six Point by offering their wares in can form only. Great for backpacking or chilling in the backyard on a warm summer day. Basically, I'm trying to ignore the falling snow and frigid temperatures outside our windows right now. (laughs) Uh, Here's to you, Mighty Aluminum Can. Can anything ever replace you? Uh, And on that note, uh, why don't you tell us about that, Rob? Can anything ever replace you? The Aluminum Can? Oh, I see. You were doing a nice segue into the next article. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's true. Yes. Apparently, Carlsberg is making uh, cardboard beer bottles. Oh, that's totally hipster. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I only drink my beer out of cardboard. Uh, have, like different types of cor- like this is corrugated cardboard and this yeah. is uh, <laughs> don't mind the holes <laughs> yeah <laughs> then hipsters are gonna be all like uppity uppity about their cardboard types yeah so Carlsberg is apparently developing the world's first fully biodegradable bottle for its beverages they're calling it the green fiber bottle and it will be made from sustainably sourced wood fiber or paper pulp and they're basically saying uh, it would be uh, essentially equivalent to the material that would like an egg carton. Um, and it would have, uh, it will be much lighter than glass bottles, according to the company, obviously, because paper is much lighter than, lighter than glass. Um, it will have a fibrous look to it, so it'll actually kind of look like cardboard, only like mm. veiny cardboard, which would veiny, be cool. Yeah, yeah next, that's um, what I want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the bottles will be fully bio-based and biodegradable, including the cap, um, it will, uh, so this will be unlike other technologies. Uh, there's apparently a competitor, Paperboy Wines, that uses a similar outside material, but they have a, a plastic bladder inside, and mm-hmm. that, that bladder is not 100% biodegradable. Um, kind of just like any box wine ever, really. It's like this... Yeah, so they're they're uh, apparently working with the I'm sure the, the science nerds to make it so that it doesn't affect the taste of the beer in any way, shape, or form, which will be interesting because I know cans especially have an inner coating to keep the beer from touching the actual yeah. aluminum because that seeps in. That metallic taste, and, and uh, obviously cardboard taste. Yeah, it leaks into liquids pretty easily. Never want your beer to taste like wet cardboard. That's something you definitely try to avoid. <laughs> um, they are arguing that it's going to be. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact. Uh, comments and they were saying that it was not uh, you could drop it and it won't break oh there it is so the new look and feel it will be non-transparent non-breakable with a visible fiber structure so um, non-breakable means you can try to like torque it and twist it and it's just 
It's very different. So the so uh, you're gonna torque and twist this veiny phallic shape. Well, before you put I'm it up against your mouth and suck it down. Personally, <laughs> but it, the idea of it, of the weight of a case going down and will be quite nice for all manner of uh, uh, distributors and bar workers for sure. That hefting up three cases from the basement uh. is probably just going to be the water weight mostly as opposed to anything else, which really be great. Um, but it will be an adjustment to basically not have that crisp, cool glass feel in your hand hmm. uh, but I, I can see one big perk of, of having cardboard uh, bottles uh, when I take my recycling out I won't seem like an alcoholic because those <laughs> bottles won't be nearly as loud <laughs> <laughs> the other odd thing will be is uh, I can see a bunch of backyard parties uh, with fire essentially that you know nowadays um, mm. when we have backyard uh, gatherings people pop the caps and flick them into the no, fire they just throw their beer bottles into the fire they don't melt but yeah at this point <laughs> since it's going to be essentially cardboard you can drink your beer and just chuck it into the campfire and whoo, it's gone although since they're biodegradable you could even be out camping and just be like nature will reclaim this and it w- which would be great because nothing worse than going on a hike and seeing like a bunch of like cans oh. or bottles just kind of thrown wherever you know someone brought along a beer for, uh, on, for the hike and just you know toss it overboard now what they should do is they should be able to have it so that like it has a seam on it. Maybe you can turn it into like a paper airplane and you can make little toys out of it. Oh, God, like fold up origami, or, or, origami, origami style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. reclaim it. You know, <laughs> you can but, turn it back into uh, like a like a, a, a little canteen or something, or like a like swan or something. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you can use it to power your automobile. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So that'll be cool. I'm always looking for uh, new technologies. Um, I love the the can versus bottle debate, and this yeah. will be a whole new ringer. Oh, to bring yeah, in. that's right. No, I'm definitely all for it. Too. Are they going to call down. it something else? I'm sure they'll come up with some fancy name for it. Um, I'm sure they'll still probably call it well, a bottle, but I guess it'll be like the I like paper, fibers bottle. I like paper pulp. Paper paper pulp. Paper pulp. It's the paper beer. Do you that like glass, aluminum, or paper pulp? The marketing team hasn't gotten on it quite yet. So no. all give right. it time. So, in other international news, Rate Beer releases their top beers in the world for, well, 2014, even though it's the 2015 list. Lay it on us. So, the first disappointment is that (laughs) nothing from Pennsylvania made it onto the list, which is really, really upsetting. How many on the list? Yeah, how many was it? Uh, A lot. Is that 100 or nothing? I don't think they put a number on it. I think they just picked... Uh, oh, yep, top 100 beers in the world. Not one damn beer from Pennsylvania. So, yeah, the top 100 beers in the world according to the reviews of the last year and weighted by performance within and outside of style. The winners here are presented alphabetically and reflect the top performing beers of hundreds of thousands listed at Rate Beer. All winners in this category are eligible for award certificates. <laughs> so there's obviously things like uh, the Alchemist Heady Topper. They also had a Focal Banger from the Alchemist. Uh, it was also very highly up there from Vermont. You also had um, <clears throat> several beers from Hill Farmstead are on mm-hmm. the list. Okay. Um, there's actually been some... I mean, so we, we've had uh, Heady Topper... I believe I've had L. Smith's IPA. I know I've had L. Smith's Speedway Stout. Yeah, um, that's then, on there? Yep. Hmm, okay. uh, let's see, Sculpin. We've mm. all had Sculpin. Yeah, uh, Ballsport Victory at Sea, which was phenomenal. That vanilla porter uh, okay. that came out um, yeah, you not were too right long ago. That, oh, very good. Um, so there's a bunch of bells on here. Um, they're Black Note Stout, the Expedition Stout, mm-hmm. and Hop Slam. Okay. Um, Cantalons on here with their Lou Pepe Pure Creek. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew beer, what? Pepe. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Pepe, Pepe Le Pure. Um, Cigar Cine had a couple things on okay. here. Yeah, they're um, They had their Huna, uh, Huna Poo's Imperial Stout, and then that 
double barrel double barrel aged mm-hmm. as long as well as Marshall Zukov's Imperial Stout. Dark Horse had their bourbon barrel plead the fifth Imperial Stout. I'm starting to notice a pattern here. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those, they always get highly rated. Uh, Brewery Day Moulin had their uh, Helen Verdonis 666, which we actually had. I don't know if it would have been that last year's, but we did have the Helen Verdonis as a um, yeah. selection a while ago. Uh, Deschutes the Abyss, which mm. I've not had my gotten I don't think that comes out our way. No. Dogfish had 90 minutes on there. Okay, solid, yeah. Um, Evil Twins Double Barrel Jesus <laughs> Evil Twin Even More Jesus <laughs> Even More Jesus Wow uh, So Firestone Walkers Double Jack IPA Oh yeah Firestone's good uh, Their Parabola uh-huh. Their Sticky great. Monkey oh. The Sukaba. Um, so, so Founders had their backstage series. They, they apparently remade C- Canadian Breakfast out. Okay. Um, so that, I'm sure, was very rare and hard to get your hands on. Um, they had, Founders also had their Backwoods Bastard, mm-hmm. their Breakfast Out, which is a ridiculous KBS, of course. Um, they had, uh, let's see, so Funky Buddha Brewery out of Florida. Their Ma- Maple Bacon Coffee Porter. Ooh. Um, yeah, so I don't know how that would go over. Maple, but bacon, coffee? Yeah. yeah, it's basically your breakfast. Uh, so Goose Island, uh, which is weird that's on the list, considering it's no longer uh, craft beer. Mm. Uh, their Bourbon County Barley Wine, their Bourbon mm. County Stout, their Bourbon County Stout Vanilla Rye Barrel. Mm. So basically all the Bourbon County stuff. Yep. Uh, let's see, Hill Farmstead had a Grassroots uh, Brother, some fancy word, uh-huh. Grassroots Legitimacy, Oh, that's weird. Oh, I guess they're an order by by beer. Uh, then, uh, so Hair of the Dog had Hair of the Dog Matt. Uh, Great Divide had the Yeti Imperial Style. Oh, the and Yeti the is good. Oh, Oak Age so Yeti, yep. uh, which was also very good. Home Farstead had um, a collab, I guess it looks like, Blages Les Saracen. But then their beers were the Hill Farmstead Aaron, Abder, hmm. Double Citra, Everett, Friendship and Reunion, which I got to try, Susan and Susan. So I don't know how many of those. I think Abner I had, but I don't yeah, know. Abner sounds familiar. Um, Jester King had their Atrial Rubicite. Lost Abbey had Deliverance. Uh, the, the Angel Share Bourbon Barreled. Um, so Maine had another one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dinner and lunch. No okay. surprise there. Yep. Um, Me Keller only had Beer Geek Breakfast okay. and the Brunch Weasel. Brunch Weasel, nice. Yeah, Beer Geek Breakfast and Beer Geek Brunch Weasel. Um, New Glarus Serendipity. North Coast had Old Stock Cellar Reserve. Oscar Blues, 1050 made it on the list. Yeah, okay. That's a good beer, but I don't know if I would say top 100 in the world. Yeah. But, um, let's see. What else is good that we've known? Um, but it has the word double bourbon or stout in it. It's probably, yeah, pretty. Probably on <laughs> if it's strong as hell, it seems yeah. to be... Uh, Beyond there, so why? Why is that? Is it just like we're, we don't like subtlety? It's like no, pretty much. We're looking for big bad stuff. At the moment. Smack me in the face. Somewhere. Although a lot of yeah. sessional IPAs came out this year, so maybe oh, okay. that'll be a big, a May, big, maybe, big yeah. push for next year. Um, let's see what else was on this. Uh, let's see, uh, Port Brewing, Older Viscosity, mm-hmm. Prairie Artisanal Ales, Bomb, and Pirate Bomb. Then we had the uh, <laughs> yeah. Brasserie Rockfort. They're ten and eight, which are very tasty. Oh, yeah. Belgians, um, Roddenbox. Uh, Looks like Character Rouge, which I've not had. Hmm. Looks like they're owned by Palm, maybe? Interesting. Russian River had Beautification, Consecration, Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Elder, and Supplication. So they're apparently doing quite well. And to help appease the king of craft beer, Jim Coke, uh-huh. Sam Adams uh, Utopus, uh, Utopius oh, really? is on the list there. Why well, did you get to try that for the first time this year? It was very good. It was different. 
I'll, I'll give him that. Okay. Uh, very good, and that's a different story. But it, it was different. <laughs> uh, okay. It was better than any Pennsylvania beer? No. God, no. St. Bernardist, uh, ABT12. I don't, I don't know what that abbreviation's for. Uh, Stones, Enjoy by IPA, mm. which is really hard because there's a lot of them. I don't yeah. know which specifically they're talking about here, but uh, also their Imperial Russian Stout, their Bourbon Barrel Imperial Russian Stout, um, Destruces, Black Albert, Panapot Grand, Panapot Grand Reserva, Panapot Reserva. Uh, Surly had the Darkness and Abrasive Ale. Yep. I think I've had Abrasive, but the Darkness I've been trying to get my hands on for years. Mm. I keep begging my sister to give me a connection, but she... Uh, Any Surly would be nice. I'm, yeah. I'm happy seeing those cans. Three Fords Alpha King recently had some of that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, their Dark Lord at Russell Imperial Stat was on there. Yeah, I heard the, the Dark Dreadnought Imperial yeah. IPA is on there. And, of course, Zombie Dust. Mm. Um, and then the Tu'ul Black Malts and Body Salts Black Coffee Double IPA. Oh, God. That sounds crazy. Black yeah. Malts and Body Salts Black <laughs> Coffee Double IPA. And then uh, Topping Goliath from Iowa. Had their Assassin, Kentucky Brunch, King Sue, Morning Delight, and Pseudo Sue. Wow, from Iowa? Um, yes, from Iowa. And what were they called again? Toppling Goliath. Huh. And then uh, West of Vetterlands uh, yeah. has their Extra 8 and 12. Okay. So that was the, the whole list. Wow. More or less. I think I skipped over one or two. But yeah, nothing. Nothing from Pennsylvania. These sons of bitches. And it's not really v- as varied as I would have thought. Like a lot of the breweries that are on there have multiple multiple beers yeah yeah well and i think the the fear of it is is that some of these breweries just have phenomenal reputation and so they're just gonna crush it because when you go yeah. to hill farmstead you're gonna have to rate them five because they're hill fucking Har- farmstead yeah you, you know? drove all that way you can't not do it <laughs> yeah you can't just say it's a it's a 1.5 even if you think it is so <laughs> but interesting it gives uh you know pennsylvania some hope to break in there i thought dirt wolf was a phenomenal beer last year dirt wolf was great uh i know um I was surprised Lagunitas uh, Sucks wasn't on that list because I like that better than Hop Slam. And, uh, yeah, right. So I'm yeah. looking, I'm interesting to see that that was uh, there as like beers that I'm really in love with. Yeah, Voodoo Brewing's been doing really well out yeah. in Meadville. Uh, they're, they're pretty great. There's still a ton of stuff out in Pittsburgh. I mean, they're getting mm-hmm. new breweries all the time. Um, so we'll just have to see. But uh, yeah, I mean, good. definitely not complaining too much with that list. But it'd be nice if there was some PA stuff in there for PA Pred. Yeah. All right, well, let's stop talking about some beer, and let's move on to uh, probably one of our favorite segments, Beers from Around the World. Beer from Around the World. Beers from a galaxy far, far away brought home for your tasting pleasure. So it's been a while since we've done one of these, uh, probably in part because um, we probably haven't been traveling quite as much lately. No. In the colder months, you know, you button down, you do what you can. So as I was telling the boys, my co-hosts, uh, earlier, my uh, sister lives out in Cleveland, Ohio, and came home this weekend. She was recently inducted in the Hempfield High School Hall of Fame for her volleyball skills. Wow, Hall of Fame, nice. Yeah, she's a fucking Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a whole night of um, blowing up her ego, although she is fairly... Um, humble and shy, so it wasn't like she took it all to the top of her head. But anyway, uh, she and her charming boyfriend brought home um, some beer for us to have. And so uh, we are going to sample a couple of beers from Buckeye Brewing Company. So I thought we would start well. What do you guys... I'll put it up to a vote. Do you guys want to start with the Cleveland IPA or the (laughs) Hippie IPA? 
Cleveland, Cleveland IPA sounds dirty. Like this is a, a premium name. IPA. Yeah, Cleveland. Let's do Cleveland. So it's okay. I don't know. Maybe Can I see like label, label real quick? Absolutely. Trolley or something in the hippie. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be funny if that was used that as an adjunct. And the fact that they're throwing the word premium out there, uh, it, you know, that's that's something you tend to see on beers in the '70s. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's premium. Whenever something says premium, it's really not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So the Buckeye Brewing Company uh, is from Cleveland, Ohio. They are fairly new. They are fairly small. Um, and so there's not a whole lot of information out there. Currently, their um, website is under construction. But, uh, hey, we thought uh, we've heard good things. And uh, they are rated quite nicely on Beer Advocate. So they can't be doing too poorly. So we want to start with the Cleveland IPA. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. So my brother contacted a synthesizer company he's really interested in. Um, well, firstly, he noticed that they, their website was not up. There was some problems with it. So he contacts them asking, and it's like, oh, by the way, I make websites. So they decided to do this um, deal where he was getting like these crazy synthesizers for free. And, he was, and they were paying him then, too. And he provides them with web design. So should this beer be really awesome, Rob? Maybe you should like offer some, some of your uh, services then. <laughs> I should. Yeah. I should. And, uh, Thank you. Keep uh, keep sending uh, keep us sending us keep us flush with beer and we will be forever grateful. So how does it look against the gods? There <laughs> is that what you're doing, Mike? Yeah. Well, against Try. Saraswati, it looks kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I look at it against the table and it's a nice deep amber, and then I hold it up to the light and it like becomes a pale straw. Like, yeah, it does. So as far as color goes, I'm sorry, I'm the lighting in my. Uh, it looks teal. I don't understand. Why does it look so, look so teal? So uh, the um, <laughs> the Cleveland IPA is obviously an American IPA. It's seven percent ABV. Um, it's rated eighty-two or good slash four out of five stars on the uh, Beer Advocate website. I can probably. Is there any information on the bottle that's relevant other than the government warning? Hmm. Has a nice nose to it. You have to really breathe deep to get it all. Taste is. It's fairly multi actually. It's, I'd say it's pretty stout for an IPA. Just um, mm. a, lot of, mm. a lot of caramel notes, full-bodied. Yeah, this is definitely not a hot bomb. This is would be something that I would put on the maltier side of things, but nicely balanced. Yeah, I mean, you get that nice hop finish. Like it really lingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hops all the way down. I did not know what to expect, but this is actually quite tasty. It's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with the nose. Although these days I'm so in love with like a, a really nice citrusy or floral nose mm-hmm. that anything that's not that is sort of like, this blows. But um, uh, it's definitely has one. So, you know, mm-hmm. it has a nice smell and it's a good nose. It's just not that smell I'm so addicted to. Mm. That's a solid IPA. It's a little, I don't know if it's boozy, but it's definitely, it, it tastes strong. It's 7%, so mm-hmm. yeah. it's not yeah. crazy. It but, seven. Um, I think it's good. Yeah, it's tasty. Well done, Cleveland. Cleveland Rocks. Cleveland. Well, now they've been having a bit of a craft beer explosion there. Um, I mean, they've had uh, Great Lakes for quite a while. That's won some nice awards for some of their things. Um, their Burning River, I've always enjoyed. Yeah, the Edmund Fitzgerald. There's a good stuff. Yeah, it's also a very good option. But uh, there's been more and more like tiny little brew pubs. You know, um, St. Boniface or Columbia Kettle Works, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, within the downtown Cleveland area, which is really weird because it's like having a brewery that size only in like 
downtown Philadelphia, which isn't yeah. unheard of, but like in downtown Philly, you got places like Yards, which is not a small brewery by any stretch of the imagination. Any uh, stand out in your mind? Have you been to any in, in the Cleveland recently? Um, I've only toured Great Lakes, and I've had some beers. I've been to a couple of beer bars there, but I haven't had a lot of brew pubs because normally when I've indulged, um, I've gone either too early in the day to hit up a brew pub mm-hmm. or I was going to a destination like Fatheads or Hopping Frog where I was specifically going to a place I knew it was going to be great for that purpose but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I will be back more I forgot Fatheads was out there yes and holy shit they are not kidding um, a hamburger there is like the size of your freaking plate oh. they do not go half-assed on sandwiches <laughs> it is ridiculous That's some good stuff um, and then there we did <laughs> it was really funny the the bar the not bartender, but the waitress comes around and goes, so what are you guys thinking? And uh, and uh, Janine's like, well, how many flights can we get? And, well, as many as you want. We're going to get everything. Just just bring everything. And like literally wow. brought out like 24 sample glasses of really? all the beers. And we we slugged through them all. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And then we really pissed off the uh, the bartender <laughs> because um, we get we get all 24 there. And we were pounding through the first, uh, first 12. That might be a slight exaggeration. It might have been five a row, not six a row. But then we get to the next group, and I'm like, these taste an awfully like the... And we went through, and I'm like, this one's really supposed to taste like blueberry, and it, it's a stout. I mean, like, it's black. There's no way this is a, yeah. you know, a blueberry wheat beer. It's just not possible. And then I realized that they had given us the first half twice. Oh, no. And so then we just sent it back, and the guy's like, well, you know... They're yours now. Yeah, like we're not can them. reuse them, so have them to drink as well. So the whole table was just like, woo! <laughs> it was a good experience. Uh, and then <laughs> Janine ordered a chicken sandwich with all of these fixings on it, and she comes out and starts eating it, and she's like, "Where the fuck's the chicken?" <laughs> oh, oh, <no. laughs> so then the waiter's like, "Oh my god!" And he runs back in, and there was literally like a chicken breast sitting on a plate that nobody knew where it went because it somehow didn't get put onto the bread or whatever. So then they came back out. But it was it was a hilariously fun experience. Such thing as too many fixins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I mean, it did look like a full sandwich because there were pierogies on top of this chicken sandwich. Oh, my so, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they are not messing around. So that was great. Sorry, I don't mean to be talking about another another brewery while discussing Cleveland Brewing. But, uh, yeah, Fatheads was great. If you're ever out that way, you should tell. And, and Hopping Frog was awesome as well. I definitely... Suggesting that up as well. That's cool. I mean, I did go to the one in um, Pittsburgh a couple mm-hmm. times down in the south side. And that's actually uh, one of the places where I had uh, like a one of my first beer kind of geek explorations. They had nice. a lot of stuff on tap. So good stuff like the red and white, uh, black and blue by Dogfish. Nice. Yeah. yeah, they did have a full bar and then their stuff. So um, quite a lot of stuff on draft. And they were brewing on the facility. So yeah. um, definitely good stuff. They had a bar that was like, well, it was sort of like... Um, Federal tap house size bar where it was huge with all these TVs, and then they actually mm-hmm. had like dining, like actual dining that was separate, so you didn't have to hear all the noise of the bar. You could just be out quietly dining like a nice restaurant. Yeah, cool. Unlike Federal Tap House. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad when it's uh, subdued. I was there on Sunday, and it was a great, great place to kick back. Um, did you have, were you there for lunch or breakfast? Or yeah, we were there. I mean, we didn't have we didn't have lunch there, but we were there like I think around two o'clock. Oh, so okay. it was like a more like dead time too. Like a lot, there was only like one bartender on because all the other guys were trying to eat quick before the, the dinner rush. But I like that place when it is quiet. The same way the Brickyard's not bad when it's quiet. Yeah. Problem is when it's not quiet, it's really terrible. I don't enjoy the quiet. Like I imagine Yorgo's probably isn't terrible 
when there's like five people in there. But when it's like Saturday mm, night, night and there's 800 <laughs> people and loud dance music and douchebags extraordinaire filling every nook and cranny of that place. Have you been downstairs there before? No. It's the weirdest downstairs I I've been. I venture. It's super small and there's like, it just had a really weird vibe. It's, it's more like a large closet huh. with all these people kind of dancing down there. It's like, all right. Huh. I see people. Go, I remember seeing people go down the stairs. And I'm like, what's going down there? Yeah, I did too. So the one day I was just like that. I wasn't there. So like probably two years ago now. I was just like, what the hell's down there? And I found out. It's like, all right. I assume that's how Jersey Shore people repopulate it. A bunch of them go down and then they come back and there's just others of them that came up at the same time. Some sort of weird mitosis. No, dude. Thing. Yeah, I can see that. They yeah. just get wet. <laughs> so they're they're uh, Mogwais, eh? I yeah. see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> see how That's that a slandered a good name of Mogwais, man. Doesn't help that there's an ocean beside them. <laughs> uh, speaking of Bourbon County Stout, though, I see that uh, Federal Tap House was doing an event, uh, sort of competing at the same time that Fridge is doing their uh, Hoppy Super Bowl. They're having a Bourbon County brunch. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess I guess they're getting a keg of that. Nice of, of the of the BCS. I enjoy it, but it's it's definitely a sip and beer. I, I can't. Right. I know, like Justin has bought tons of it and then like hides it away, which probably isn't a bad because it has a a long shelf life. But uh, I don't love it. Although to be fair, all things considered, the first year I had KBS, I was like, eh, it's good, but I don't know what. Could, but my love of stouts has definitely come up quite a bit. That I a, mm-hmm. a, a um. I w- maybe not nuanced because boy, that's going to hit you like a truck. But uh, um, good stouts uh, are definitely back on my radar in a way that they weren't before. Yeah, or just good hoppy beers too. Like I always forget like what what all comes out like this time of year. Like we just had the Nugget Nectar, and now the Hop Slam is coming out. I forgot all about that. Yeah, uh, the good stouts, great stouts are out. Um, this I've was been- also the time that Lagoon Sucks used to hit our area, but now it's like pretty much whenever we want it, which is the yeah, thing it's ever. it's been fairly regular, which is nice. Wait, where is Sucks? The fridge. It's yeah, it's back at the fridge again. They yeah. still have 40s. It's not always in, but they get enough of it that it's pretty regular. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's, the it's giant, not in the regular bottles, though. It's, the, it's like in the, the cor- not the 40 ounce, but I guess it's cord. 38 or 36 ounce bottles. Yeah. yeah. Well, they call it a quart on the side. It's like, uh, if you've seen, like, Yangling comes in quarts, too. That's the only other beer oh, I know yeah. that comes in, like, that sort of, like, trashy old school bottle. <laughs> but, I, but I still like it. All right. So you look, you look right. awesome going up to the bar being like, ba-boom, yeah. I'm going to enjoy my afternoon. Please put that in paper bag, please. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have a beer on Sunday. I think you might enjoy Jesse. It was Founders Brewing Company. It was called Big Luscious. Big Luscious. Yeah, and it was an extremely thick, syrupy stout. It tasted like if you like Hershey syrup. I do. Uh, that's what it tasted like. Huh. Uh, again, a, a very sipping beer. Couldn't couldn't really pound that. I was just thinking about like beer bonging one of those. It's just like, woo. <laughs> That'd be overload. I don't know if you'd be able to handle that much. Like it's just it's so syrupy. It's just so it's a double imperial stout. Apparently, that's what they call it. It's like a double imperial. imperial Wait, uh, now is that a do you square them or do they multiply? That would be a quad. That'd be a quad stout. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I feel like it lives up to it because it was just it was viscous. It was like hmm. it was like pitch. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's uh, move on to the hippie IPA. So this is also in the low 80s on Beer Advocate. It is an American IPA that is much, much lower at 6.8% ABV instead oh, of yeah, uh, yeah. 7. Yeah. Is this a log- logarithmic scale? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I will hopefully try to pour that a little bit better. Is that a lot of head or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> that is a lot of head. I'm always happy to see Mike. <laughs> Motherfucker. 
Reminds me, I was uh, drain pouring beers uh, this past weekend. No. Uh, old stock that I had of awful beers that just didn't really turn out or just been sitting down there for a while. I needed to free up the bottles for the next round of beer that I'm going to try to not screw up. But uh, they had all like super carbonated by this point in time, so it was just a lot of foam. I had a very embarrassing experience. I went out to um, Lancaster Homebrew on Sunday, thinking that uh, they, like everything else, was closed on Mondays, not Sundays. And um, oh, so yeah. I drove out there to get some I was uh, good that, yeah. clarifying agent for uh, my cider because they're, unless I'm willing to let it sit for a year and a half, it's never going to clear up all of the, the pulpy stuff from the, the cider. Okay. And I get there, and the parking lot's super full, and the lights are on on, and I pop in to realize they're having some sort of homebrew club that I was not invited to. Oh, nice. You crashed the homebrew club. And Excellent. I was just like, <gasps> and slowly oh, and awkwardly just backed out. <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> you didn't just try to go with it? Like, yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, they, they, all, they all had beer. I, I, I should have run down to the brewer's outlet and picked up like there a six-pack or something. And the rip, like, rip the labels off real quick. What yeah. do you guys think of this? <laughs> oh, don't mind that the labels are fresh. They're, uh, I, I yeah. just used these bottles last week. It's no big deal. What do I call it? I call it Nugget Neck. Shit. <laughs> it's, a nugget, it's, it's a nugget nectar clone. Yeah, it's, I, it's my best work ever. I hope you enjoy it. So for listeners at home, um, two thirds of the glass is pretty much head at this point. What's a hell of a head? That's a rocky head. And um, we you have are, that held over your computer. It's, it's got like a volcano effect going on there. Yeah, Rob, I trust Rob's, myself. Rob's really bold. Yeah, that know. was. <laughs> it's only a weak Chromebook. Had it been my my Mac laptop, I probably would have been. <laughs> Do the old crusty eye trick. Oh god, really crusty eye? Ew. <laughs> it's the sweat for, for of those the listeners. Well, I, I, it's uh, the sweat Rob of the eye. Just, I, I put his oil. I heard back, eyeball. I heard the crust yeah. out into back of the ear. Is though that's better? Better than well, when you call crusty eye trick, it's like <laughs> ew. You just, just get with the phone. You're getting a little bit of skin oil. I'll, that's all it is. I'll god. just give it the old stink eye, and the head will go right down. Give it a little chronic. I'm gonna give it the high school mother. You're a disappointment to me, father. That'll take the air out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just deflates right away, like those footballs we were talking about. Aww. Yeah, where's Tom Brady when you need him? I need to get rid of this head. <laughs> Color's about the same in the other one. Maybe a little darker. A little darker. Um, a little cloudier, clarity. I'd say. Yeah, I was going to say. I like the smell of this one a little bit better. Maybe mm-hmm. the, the, the foam is just bursting into my nose, so I get a stronger wolf of it. Mmm, that's tasty. There's a little sweetness in there. A little... I don't know. I almost want to say there's like a Belgian note to it or something weird. Yeah. Is that the hippie? What, what makes it hippie? I don't know what makes it hippie. Like I oh, said, yeah. their website's down, so maybe that's what it is. Yeah, there is some kind of like Belgian note, Belgian note there. I must say, like um, the uh, label for this hippie IPA is the Ohio flag, or a likeness thereof. And I must say, it is probably one of my favorite state flags. May I see the state flag? I mean, obviously... Why? The, you like the triangle and the circle, or...? Oh no! It's just like the the stripes. It's very like patriotic, but it's also it's different. Like I feel like um, it's the only flag that's not like a rectangle. Yeah, it's actually um, it doesn't come to a point, but it would eventually. Like it's uh, two acute angles. Okay, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really paid attention to state flags. Oh, I really want to read this review. Um, so, as listeners know, we try not to be the most pretentious douchebags on another man on this on this program. But here's somebody who gave this a 2.72 out of five. So the fact that it's a 2.72 probably means you're going to be in for a particular special individual. 
Clear light. <laughs> so that the review is clear, light copper in color, forms a moderate sized off white head, little retention as it quickly drops to, uh, to a thin surface coating. Aroma is strongly malty, lots of caramel malts. There are some light hops, a bit, if herbal hops, mm. a little earthy, maybe a little grapefruit, but really it's the caramel malt. Taste is more of the same caramel malts and grapefruit pith. A bit of dirty, or uh, sorry, a bit of dirty, earthy hops on the back end. Medium bodied, appropriate carbonation, pithy bitterness. This is just a mediocre IPA. Tastes like a shitty homebrew. <laughs> I, just I just love the whole. Oh yes, it's got a, di- a pithy flavor to yeah, it. A bit yeah, of a yeah. grapefruit pith, shitty homebrew. Shitty homebrew. Yeah. <laughs> that was that's kind of like where I was sort of going with this, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was about to say, like, I'm definitely getting those Belgian notes, but it's almost like I'm just wondering if it's the type of yeast they use, or it does kind of have that weird sort of like homebrew taste to it. It does have that soapiness on the on the end. I know what you're kind of talking about. Mm. Yeah, and I definitely it's like kind of like that burlap too. Like it just it didn't ferment at the right temperature or something. Whatever that is, because that is like the one signature that I've always had, um, and I know that. Oh, there really isn't left. Um, like I say that, having been thoroughly oppressed by Roy Pitts when we were out there, that that was always my complaint about uh, hitting them at, at uh, co- competitions before, um, it's probably before they hired Chris, to be honest, where I always felt that there was some sort of like soapy-esque characteristic mm-hmm. in it that made it seem very homebrewy. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of like, well, you know, it's, it's, I can see where the potential is here, but it's not necessarily firing at all cylinders. Yeah. And then... We went out there, and holy shit, did they change my opinion in a heartbeat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I like sort of the Belgian note to it, a little sweetness there, but there is sort of like, I don't know if it's a, a dirty, earthy hop on the back end that's a little... Yeah, I don't know about that. ...offy but... or something. <laughs> but uh, the Cleveland IPA is much better. Yeah, yeah. That I, I thought that was fairly solid. I agree 100%. But they apparently have a very pretty nice uh, brew pub. Um, with uh, a good selection of food. So next time I'm out, I'll have to make an effort to get down there because uh, this is quite delicious. Good experience. So guys, let's let's put beer drinking aside for a moment and, and get to beer drinking. Right. <laughs> Serious beer drinking. With this time. week's Beer versus Beer. Beer versus Beer. and Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter, one beer leaves. So, since we uh, were planning to be trapped in uh, into our own homes tonight, having to brave seven feet of snow and sub-zero temperatures in order to reach the studio, Mike and I decided that we should definitely go for the snow day themed, even though currently the roads... So Mike and I decided we should we would do, is instead of uh, good beers for a rainy day, good beers for a snowy day. So you're sitting at home, trapped in, unable to open your door because there's a mountain of snow between you and the front porch, and we decided what beer would we want to have with us uh, during that experience. So it looks like Mike and I both came up with very different choices, and I am curious to see which one prevails this week. So, um, Mike, I believe I made you go first last week. Yeah. So I will hop on the mantle this time around if you would like. Yes, go for it. So... 
I went with um, this fabulous beer, Jackie O's Dark Apparition, Ooh. which is a fantastic name for a beer. I almost feel like it's a band with a song, Dark Apparitions. Uh, so this is a Russian Imperial Stout uh, from Jackie Whoa. O's Brewery, which is apparently a very popular up-and-coming um, Ohio brewery. Uh, again, this was a, a gift from my uh, sister's bow, and uh, it is rated very, very highly um, on Beer Advocate. It is a Russian Imperial Stout, 10.5% uh, ABV. Ooh. So we're going to be getting to, to fear a little... We're going to get a little drunk here. I it's, really hope school's canceled again tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just saying this is... It's going to be great. So uh, the, the label for this is, uh, immediately impressed me. It is uh, a beautiful black label um, with uh, silver and white lettering on top of it. There seems to be some sort of... I, dark apparition uh, behind the label. So I'll pass this around when we're done. But I wanted to read what was on the label. So, um, the hauntingly good brew in your hand is rife with dark complexities. Seven malts were used to create deep flavors of coffee, chocolate, caramel, and molasses. A hint of bitterness and herbal character from carefully selected European and American hops help supports the monolithic maltiness. A truly decadent brew that is intended to be poured into your favorite snifter and given time to warm up from its dark and cool resting place. So I've had this out since we started recording, which is probably like 45 minutes ago at this point. So it's uh, hopefully sufficiently warm. <laughs> and uh, so I don't have a whole lot of it, so we'll have to ration out what we got. But uh, it sounds ridiculous. So, Jesse, I'm going to try to give you the lion's share here since you are judge, jury, and executioner. But, my God, it looks amazing. Thank you. Mm. He says nice. as he pours Mike a little bit more. So <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> and the winner is Mike. <laughs> I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Uh, greedy bastard. It's a good smell. It's like cookie. It's like a... Like oh, well, I, I changed my mind. <laughs> a super chocolate chunk mint. So it is. Oh. It is dark. Yeah. Oh wow! It is. I li I like the smell. Oh my! Damn. Yeah. Oh my! That is. Mm. It's grainy. It is sort of cookie. Yeah. It's fairly smooth. It's got a little robustity to it. I think I just made that word up. Um, robustity. Yeah. It's um. It's a little smoky. Mm. Wow, that is smooth for ten and a half percent. Yeah, but yeah, dang dangerously, dangerously smooth. Cow. Yeah, yeah it's just... it's almost silky. It's it's quite good. It'll warm you up on a cold day. It's sweet without being like dark chocolatey sweet. Right. There are levels of complexity there. There is a bit of a bitterness to it, a bit of a coffee bitterness, but it's definitely not like a coffee stout. Man. Wow. I'm not generally a huge fan of Russian Imperial Styles, but this may change my mind. I really, and personally, I really like this beer. Mm. Oh, if you guys did want to see the, the bottle, it's actually quite pretty. Wow, I just about downed my chair already. I was enjoying it. Woo! Oh, it's a nice cool. feel to it, too. Yeah. Do you have anything else by this brewery? Um, no, but I really want to try the... <laughs> Double IPA by theirs, which is called Waka Waka Waka. Oh my god, really? My <laughs> favorite Muppet Show character of all time. Oh, yeah. oh, I love Fuzzy Bear. They also have the uh, Pilzaz, which I'm okay. assuming has a lot of Zaz hops in it. Um, and apparently a pre-prohibition style American lager called Jackie O's Secret Password. The oil of Aphrodite is up there. 
Um, it's an imperial stout brewed with black walnuts and dark Belgian candy sugar. They have a Mystic Mama IPA. I'm going to have to make a trip out. Because they are in Athens, Ohio, which is um, pretty close to, I think, Hopping Frog. Oh, no. I think Hopping Frog is southwest of Cleveland, and I think they would be southeast. But that was the Athens was a, a destination for beer. So, yeah, Jackie O's, I'm coming to visit next time I'm out Cleveland Way. So, whew, that is a good beer. Bravo, Jake. That's nice. Yeah, I'm glad you let it warm up. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been... <laughs> Um, very weak in the mouth on flavor had it been ice cold like I brought it over with. Just goes to show that stouts really need to be drank warmer. I, that was one of my major complaints, I think, about KBS Day was that they were serving it pretty cold yeah. and you really had to let it sit. Now, thankfully, it's a pretty strong beer, so it's a sipping beer and you can take mm-hmm. your time, but I definitely noticed I was starting to really like the subtleties of that as it warmed up, yeah. for sure. Well, I'm warming up from drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm gonna drink water to start, and then it was like, glad you're all you're like, walking home. Post nooner, which uh, when I was checking into the nooner, there is a nooner pilsner and there is a nooner session IPA. Oh, okay, so, so there's so two, two different nooners. ones. Okay, yeah, I was I was confused. Yeah, so, um, added to my confusion of the day. That's that's perfectly understandable because I probably also have been like, wait, what? The same company's making two beers of the same name? That's weird. But I guess I mean it was a that's a hoppy pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's an IPA, but it's... Oh, that's an awful, awful, lightly pilsner uh, IPA, man. That's a weird blending of style. So I've had Mike's beer before, and uh, it is also a very good selection. Every week I want to bring like a ringer and be like, well, I'm going to crush him this time around, and, uh, but then I'm going to say something good. Well, you, you definitely chose well. Um, speaking of warming up, I just wanted to grab mine from the fridge quick. So my beer for beer versus beer is also a stout. It's not it's not Russian, but it is called a foreign stout. It is Twenty First Amendments marooned on Hog Island. So Hog was, Island. Hog Island. Hog Island is a little island out somewhere off the California coast. So I'll just give you the quick commercial description. So when life gives you gives you oysters, be sure to brew some killer oyster stout. That's exactly what Nico Fred said. Co-founders of the twenty first. <laughs> 21st Amendment Brewery did in a Food Plus Beer collaboration with Hog Island Oyster Company. Co-founders uh, 21st Amendment Brewery team has created Marooned on Hog Island, the latest beer in their Insurrection series. It's a limited edition beer, which I just realized they haven't brewed this since 2012, so I'm not sure why the hell Kirkner's had this for sale like it was brand new. Apparently they retired this beer. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so we're uh, drinking some pretty rare stuff. You aren't I the guess. only one who I've seen drink that this year. Uh, Matt had one not too long ago. Yeah, well, I don't. So I, don't I guess know why they're that, getting rid of their back stock. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know why our area all of a sudden has this, but yeah, that. All right. Well. But anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, Maroon Hog Island has an ABV of seven point nine percent and was brewed using Magnum and Willamette hops with an ale yeast, a variety of malts including pale, crystal, chocolate, carafa, rolled oats, white wheat, and the kicker, four hundred and fifty pounds of Hog Island Sweetwater oyster shells. Mm. So, yeah, the oyster stout is something you don't see very often, uh, but I do enjoy it. It's got a funkiness to it that I, I feel really uh, just adds another uh, nuance to beer. Oysters. Uh, yeah, yeah, the first the first oyster stout I ever had was uh, Flying Fishes, uh, part of their um, Exit series. I think Exit 1, actually, is their oyster stout, and I was kind of blown away by it. Um, and since then, I haven't really seen any others. Uh, this is probably the only other oyster stout I can think of, actually. So I, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Um, as long as it's oysters and not mountain oysters. Oh yeah, yeah, Rocky Mountain oysters. Which uh, yeah, what, what's that? 
that should have been an international uh, news article. Uh, there was some brewery in Iceland, I think, that used whale. Yeah, testicles. testicles. Yeah, testicles. Right. Was Iceland? I think that's what I saw. Yeah, they're doing weird stuff with whales because I know you, Mike. You said that they were having that uh, competition, and then um, where they were using like whale blood or blubber or whatever, and then they had to pull back out because oh yeah, they weren't allowed. Various to. Uh, organizations were very anti that, understandably so. Which I can get. I uh, recently was listening to, and stop me if I told you guys this, listened to a podcast and they were talking about um, uh, the Shawshank Redemption and apparently the scene where Brooks feeds his little bird um, a maggot out of the food. The the maggot that's in his hand that um, Andy Dufresne picks up and hands to Brooks is a live maggot. And they're going to feed it directly to the bird. But the um, no animals will harm the making of this production people oh. were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't kill the, magnet, the maggot by giving it to the bird. That's that's in, inhumane. You have to find a maggot that died of natural causes to feed to the to feed to the bird. And I thought that was ridiculous. That I was like, ridiculous. how do you find a maggot that died yeah, <laughs> of natural, natural causes? It's a maggot, dude. I, <laughs> you know what? When it's, when it's full-formed fly, I will still kill the fucker. Well, <laughs> I, I don't even know if the full-formed fly has an autonomic nervous system that would allow it to feel pain. So I'm pretty sure the maggot doesn't. But um, We have a fly swatter in society and there's like, you know, PETA doesn't care about flies. <laughs> Plus, that bird's naturally going to eat that maggot, so, yeah. you know, like, whatever. Just nature taking its course. So what do you think of the smell, first of all? The smell oh. is unusual. I'm trying to get just used to it before I even yeah. try to drink it. It's almost... It's a little different. It's almost like it's got, like, a little soury, yeah, razzleberry like, sort of zest um, to it. Not not quite barnyard, but it's, like... It's not bad, but it's, it's different. Like, past, like, heavy pasture or something. Yeah, just really, like, hay. Like, yeah, okay. Hmm. Mm. There's a sweetness that's then uh, hits you with a chocolate kick. It's a little lighter a little in mouthfeel. Yeah, it's it's more like a like baking chocolate. A little bit of saltiness, maybe a little bit. It's a little. It's definitely a lighter flavored stout. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's yeah, there's levels of like sweet and salty and chocolate. I don't get much bitterness. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Coffee, yeah, it's definitely layered. I would like to pair this with some chocolate. Yeah, actually, oh, if I had like a nice salted caramel. I know, I'm giving to really like good. another week. Because I brought her chocolate from the chocolate pairing thing we did at Christmas, and she hasn't eaten it all yet. And oh, I was like, uh, there, there uh, is a time limit on that, and then it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think he's doing that at Federal Tap House, too. I saw an uh, mm. advertisement on my way out. Oh, good. I would like to go to that. As heard on the Blind Tiger podcast. Yes, yeah, exactly. really. Okay, serve in uh, Snifter, Tulip, or English Pint. So I guess this is close enough. None of the above. And serve in anything you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, according to, I'm on rate beer right now, which is kind of funny. Like, overall, like, rate beer says this was a 96. You said rate beer, not rape beer, right? Yeah, I said rate to beer, yeah. <laughs> but if I go to Beer Advocate, uh, they give it a much lower score. They, they say it's an 87. It's very good. Uh, the brewers did not rate it, um, but yeah, according to them, it says this beer is retired. It does no longer brew. And so, cool. um, and actually, when I went to the Twenty First Amendment website, the, the only thing I could find was like a blog article from twenty twelve saying that they had just released it. So that's coming up on three years, like three full years. Yeah, I like this too. The problem is, I just had a sip of mine, mm. and the heavier, the heaviness, the thickness of it. When I come back, it just tastes like a lighter chocolatey which kind thing, of, it's and a, it's I, a, yeah. which is great. But comparatively, 
I know Jesse's got a hard job here, but I can see how like the punishment factor of side by side can really have a bad effect. Because when I first had it, I was like, oh man, and then I had a little sip of mine and came back and was just like, ooh, but now it's not quite as oomph as I originally thought. So I was kind of surprised. Like, I, I, like I've been drinking this like for the past like two weeks, and I wouldn't really describe it as a light stout, but in comparison, yeah, to yours, in comparison to a Russian Imperial, that's ten and a half. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, it is a phenomenal beer. I wonder, well, I imagine getting all the oysters is probably why they discontinued it, because it's probably hard to I do that. I that, man. But, um, yeah, this is actually really tasty, too. Well, it's like a sweeter... I got a very big chocolate kick out of this, which makes me like it over a lot of, like, the coffee or stouts. Um, but I can see this almost pairing this with, like, red meat as opposed to, like, a vanilla ice cream or something. This is what I... I would either... This is a dessert beer by itself... It would go well but with I, red meat, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say I would pair this with, like, a light ice cream. No. Nah. I would say that it would probably really accentuate with, like, a nicely roasted steak, you know, like a pan-fried with a lot of delicious salt and pepper on the outside. Oh, yeah. I'm just <laughs> dreaming a steak right it's now. It's been a long time since I had a, a steak. Yeah. Steak and beer versus beer. I've, uh, no. <laughs> well, not not too long ago, I uh, my food cooking po- uh, podcast taught me like the his way of doing like a really good pan uh, pan seared steak, and I like went home and I tried it, and the first attempt was just like, holy shit! And then like Jenny and I were eating it like every other week. We were like, yep, yeah, let's go to market. We're gonna get some grass fed beef, and we're just gonna nice. fry that. What's the, well, tell me about it. Um, so apparently it's all about knowing when to, to stop. And so the idea is... You, is <laughs> it's like you touch the pan, stop. <laughs> well, the idea is that you want to get the pan like obscenely hot before yeah. you even let the meat touch it. And then you rub in the, the, the spices. And then um, the guy I was listening to was like, but you don't really need to go wild with it. You just need to do a little bit of pepper and a little bit of salt just to whatever. And then what happens is, is the moment it hits the pan, it just like flash cooks that right onto the meat so and then you basically cook it for only a couple of minutes and then you flip it and get the other side and then basically he he has a system where it's basically touching your the the pad of your thumb is medium Uh, rare a little higher is what would rare be and then a little bit more to the other side of the hand is like what uh, well done would be. And he what, goes, the, just, what does the hand have to do with it? Well, because when you want to know what you want the meat to be, you're not going to cut into it because that would just ruin everything because sure. the juices would come out. So you, you physically touch the meat to figure out if it's rare. And so how does that correlate to your hand? The, the pressure of pushing the oh. pad of your thumb is medium rare. Going a little higher where it's softer is rare. And then going a little farther to the other side uh, is where it's um, it's well done. Okay. And so the idea was I went there and I was like, Okay, I think that's like a little bit up in here, so it's like maybe rare to medium rare. Took the suckers off. Yes, though I'm a string player and my hands are muscular. This is a problem. Well, that's what you want. You want that muscular flavor. No, everything. Is, <laughs> there's, there's the, I mean, you're talking about the flab here, but there's. <laughs> but I mean, I was it was amazing because I made like potatoes and like garlic, oh, uh, uh-huh. garlic butter can asparagus say, with it. Rob's. Can I say Rob wins now? It's <laughs> turning me well, on. Then, <laughs> I, I want to complete the story because. Janine usually eats like the fixings and yeah. saves kind of the meat to the last, but she was just like, Oh, yeah, she loved it. It was great. Nice. Also, like the beer can chicken, which we have to do an episode on. And when it gets warmer, because the beer can chicken was like the greatest chicken I've ever eaten. It was ridiculously delicious. And I did it with Dale's Pale Ale. So, when I explained to my bankruptcy lawyer why I went, I lost all my money, and I explained, well, we had these competitions called beer versus beer. 
And it started out just buying like beer, but then it turned into really good beer, which turned into really decadent meal pairings, and it just kind of went out from there. Next thing I knew, I was like, it was like car versus car with the beer, and like it was like yacht versus beer, yeah, right? <laughs> yacht and beer versus. <laughs> Doing moon launches and beer well, I'm going to fly you in the private jet to the Grand Canyon to pair with this beer. <laughs> Mike's taking you to Niagara Falls, and we'll see which yeah. national treasure versus that was beer. A massage, and <laughs> oh, we could do that. I know, like mm. 50 people wow. who are like, I am a massage therapist in my free time. That would be happy to do that. I like massage and beer versus quote, quote, massage unquote. and beer. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't have put square scarecrows around. Who do massage, quote unquote, in their free time? No, they actually do massage. So like. Yeah, we could have uh, like we could have three different people come and we could sample our beers while we're getting massages. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, we, I am down. I was gonna say we are all doing this, not just Jesse. I will not stand by and watch him getting massaged and be like, hmm. oh yeah, I'm just gonna get oiled up and just hang out here on a table and just hear me shout out what I have to say. Ooh, like yeah, it. in here it would be nice if they brought in three of those boards and then. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, just line them up. Indeed, weird. All right, well, enough dreaming. Let's get down to the, the brass tacks here. Jesse, take a sip of both. Let us know All right. which one is this week's champion. Taking a sip of Mike's. I'm just drinking Mike's like it's water, which is bad. Well, there's more. <laughs> it's delicious. I don't know if I need it anymore. It does remind me of a YouTube video I saw this week where a woman was eating raw oysters for the first time in her entire life. Oh. She downed one and then immediately was like, and spit. A pearl into her mouth. First time she ever had an oyster, and wow. she had a small pearl that was <laughs> in Surprise. there that came along with the uh, the purchase. It might just be me, but um, I mean, firstly, I like the complexities that's going on with Mike's, but I'm mm. going with Rob today. Um, I, I like the boldness of it. I like the chocolatey of the chocolatiness of it. Um, I like the flavors that are going on with that more. Um, when I first was trying Mike's, I thought some of the flavors were competing in ways that I didn't like, that I didn't think were compatible. But as I was drinking it now, maybe it's because of the ABV and I'm more intoxicated now. But I think it is going better. I, this is the first time I've had any kind of like oyster stout, and I'm just kind of weird about that. Mm-hmm. Especially since it comes from the ocean, and we're just talking about the people from Jersey reproducing from being wet. But you know, <laughs> let's not mix those. Yeah. Right. Together. <laughs> is but, this the only stout you can get in a can that you've stout? seen? Like just, it, I mean, it's an oyster stout, so is that? Yeah. I don't think stouts are usually not normally canned. Oh, I don't know. I mean, well, there's ten fifty that we mentioned earlier. Well, I guess that's um, true. Yeah, and I'm 20, trying to think, but like most of the stuff I've seen has been like IPAs or double IPAs or pale ales, and not so much the darker beers. Well, I feel like almost is that because like the IPAs are just so much more popular. Probably. Because even, like, I was surprised when I was at, like, the Tap House, like, um, their stout list was, like, eight beers, maybe, versus everything else. Which is weird, because I know, like, IPA and double IPA are, are current craft beer kings, but I feel like the Queen style is, like, the Russian Imperial Stout, that those are, like, two massively popular yeah. styles. That you, you always see those in, like, homebrew competitions, too. And like, more than, like, the Pilsner or a Pale Ale or, you know, wheat beers or whatever. Although, I can see wheat beers being pretty popular as, like, a <clears throat> here's an intro to, you know, here's, mm-hmm. for, here's the Blue Moon competitors for the girls out there, which I think is totally unnecessary because... Um, there's plenty of women out there who are a fan of big flavor as well. So, um, but yeah, I do think I find it weird that it's like it's winter time and five stouts compared to, you know, ten wheat beers and thirty IPAs is a little obscene. 
because I do find myself going more and more to porters and stouts this time of year for sure. Yeah, thoroughly entrenched. That's why I think when things like Nugget Nectar and Hop Slam come out, I'm just like, oh, yeah. there's there's something different. An Imperial yeah. Amber, I've never even heard of that before, and it's delicious. It's kind of amazing. Like also, that beer is beautiful. It's probably one of the prettiest beers I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It is that like like deep mahogany gold amber color. Which beer are you talking about? Nugget Nectar. Nugget Nectar. Oh yeah, God yeah. And it's absolutely delicious. And it's like it's an imperial amber. And I'm like, I can't name another imperial amber for the life of me. Well, and we were up at Pizza Boy last week and had all those beers, and I was kind of like, yeah, these are good, but I kind of want to just go home and have a Nugget Nectar. Mm. <laughs> like, no offense, but <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what I want right now. You know, no. Pizza Boy was great, but it's you know Nugget Nectar well, is pretty the, awesome. The Hardywood Park thing when we went there, I was like, I tried one. I was like, oh, it's not bad. Give me a Nugget Nectar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not in the top 100. Yeah. How is that possible? I don't know. That's really weird. What is that rated on Beer Advocate, by the way? That's a good question. Nugget Nectar? Man, with the high ABV tonight, I hope school is canceled again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it was canceled today, I'm sure you'll be... So the bros rated as 90, and fuck them, even wow. though that's outstanding. The B, the beer advocate score from the users overall is 96%, which is world-class. Interesting, yeah. It makes yeah. more sense. Yeah, it's, it's a really good beer. So let me do rate beer because they always seem to have a little bit higher scores. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Okay, their score is 100. Overall is 100, style is 100. Whoa. Yeah. Well, there's nowhere to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of 100. What we're saying, or... people, is it's good. You should go buy a lot of it and enjoy it while you drink it. It is a fantastic beer. But also, Jackie O's uh, Dark Apparition is also a fine. Style and if you can find maroon on Hog Island, go for it because apparently it's two years old. Does it have like a brew date or a Best Buy date on the cans uh, or the box that you brought in by any chance? No, oh, actually, I should look because I didn't even bother checking it out. I just assumed everything would be good. It was exciting to know that my first day of work in the last month and a quarter was off. Due to weather. And Rob is flicking me the big, big middle finger right now. And maybe I'll have the second day if... Uh... I work from home, so it's not like I can really complain. But uh, yeah, F you for a month and a half off. <laughs> yeah, right. Then uh, maybe I'll have Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> maybe it won't start until Wednesday. Maybe I'll be lazy and go be a professor. <laughs> <laughs> lazy. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's show. We hope you enjoyed listening to us to uh, bundle in where it's warm with a couple of delicious stouts during this uh, very cold snow day. Um, while the snow may not have come down in droves, it certainly got cold and the roads are a bit icy. So um, if you are stuck in Snowmageddon on the East Coast, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, perhaps Mike Albright and his trusty St. Bernard will show up to <laughs> dig you out yeah. if you are stuck on the side of the road. I'll be there. Uh, thanks for listening. Join us next week. And of course, keep on drinking. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and keep drinking.